Our reading this morning, is this going to stay? All right. Our reading this morning is from John chapter 4, and I'm reading verses 1 through 26. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will come up in a spring of water, welling into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but you Jews claim the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. That ends the reading. Uh, Good morning again. Uh, My name is Pastor Dave, and it's my privilege to continue our sermon series on being the church. And we're talking about how it's more than just coming to church, but we're called to be the church, literally to live out this this mission that God has put us on. And at Advent, we, we verbalize that mission by saying love is why we're here. And so last week we talked about how to live that out and how to, how to live that out as we come to church and we get filled, right? We get filled with God's love, we get filled with his grace, and, and as we come to church then we're able to go out and be the church. So when we leave, leave here, we share that love with the world. And this morning we're talking about um, what it is that really makes us alive, what it is that really fills us. My stand is getting lower and lower. We'll see if it lasts. 
And, and so in this story, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman, and, and there's, there's a lot going on in this story that, that you have to understand the culture. Um, this would have been very, very unusual. Number one, Jesus being a teacher, a rabbi, uh, they would not have spoken to women in, in the culture of the day. That was, that was considered improper. And so for him to, to stay there and talk and engage with this woman, that would have been kind of a no-no. And in addition to that, as the text tells us, Jews and Samaritans did not associate with one another. It, this is a, a classic uh, religious clash, right? They, they believe in the same God, but they argued over the ways that they would worship. And they would argue over the places that they would worship. And so they, they really disliked each other um, a lot. And so you had all kinds of, of challenges and problems going on in this situation. And Jesus breaks down those walls to communicate an important message to this woman. And the message is that she has tried to fill her well. She's tried to quench her thirst in a variety of ways throughout her life. Through broken relationships, right? Through, um, through her status or success in life, through her style of worship. She's tried in all these different ways and it is never satisfied. And so Jesus says the one thing that is going to satisfy you forever is the living water. It's a relationship with me. And that message is timeless for us today because I think that there's a variety of ways which we try to fill our wells in life. We try to fill our wells with a variety of different things. Even as, as followers of Jesus, sometimes we, we sort of get distracted from what's of the first importance and we, and we think, if I can just achieve this, if I can just um, become this, have this title, if I can just gain this relationship, if I can just um, get this amount of stuff. And the message Jesus is telling to this woman and to us today is none of that will ever satisfy you. The only thing that will ever truly satisfy you is the living water. It's a little bit like this movie clip. Do you want to know what it is? The matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room, you can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? that you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, 
The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. you probably remember that movie and it's it's rich in uh spiritual symbolism but i love this clip because in a lot of ways we've bought into the lie We're, we've bought into the story that the world tells us that 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 certain things are going to satisfy and fill us there's a a quote in this book vanishing grace by philip yancey i want to read to you and it talks about how in our culture, in our world, we've, we've got more and more and we've achieved more and more and yet we are a people that are less satisfied. We have taller buildings but shorter tempers. Wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but have less. We buy more but enjoy it less. We have bigger houses and smaller families. More conveniences yet less time. We have more degrees but less sense, more knowledge but less judgment, more experts yet more problems. We have more gadgets but less satisfaction, more medicine yet less wellness. We take more vitamins but see fewer results. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get angry too quickly, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too seldom, watch TV too much, and pray too seldom. We've multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We fly in faster planes to arrive there quicker, to do less and return sooner. We sign more contracts only to realize fewer profits. We talk too much, love too seldom, and lie too often. We've learned how to make a living but not a life. We've added years to our life but not life to our years. And Jesus has words for our culture that's bought into this, right? And we all can fall into this sometimes. I'm not pointing fingers here. I'm, I'm talking to myself because we all can get caught up in the lie. And Jesus says, let's forget about the lie. It's never going to fulfill us. It's never going to satisfy us. And let's take the red pill and see where it leads us. So if you will, join me for uh, a few moments as we talk about this and break down what Jesus is really teaching us. Number one, he tells us that living water, it's going to fill us better than relationships, right? When he talks to the Samaritan woman, um, he sort of lays her bare, right? She's had a series of relationships and she's looked for meaning and satisfaction and, and fulfillment in a series of broken relationships, right? But time after time, it's, it's sort of left her high and dry, and particularly in the culture of the day, um, a lot of a woman's value would be seen in her ability to have a successful relationship, to, to have a family, right? And so she's tried this time and again, and, and she's coming up empty. She's coming up short. And so Jesus says to her, he says, listen, 
The relationship that you were designed and created for is not a relationship with a man or a woman, right? Relationships are good things. God created us for relationships. He designed us for community, but ultimately, he created each and every one of us for a relationship with him. And no matter how good of a relationship you have here on earth, it's going to at times lead you to pain, right? Right? There are going to be times when uh, your spouse or your best friend or whoever it is, you're, you, they're going to fail you. They're going to cause you pain. They're not going to measure up because we're all sinful, fallen, broken humans. The only relationship that will ultimately perfectly satisfy us is the relationship we were created for. It's a relationship with God. And so Jesus says, living water is better than our relationships. It's better than any relationship we can ever hope for. Living water is also better than our religion, right? In, in this passage, it would have been very easy for Jesus and this woman to get into a debate. They, they came from two different cultures, the Samaritan culture and the way they practiced religion and the Jewish culture and the way they, they did. And they clashed. In fact, they wouldn't even associate with each other because they had such violent disagreements, right? And this is not unusual, right? We've had clashes over religion throughout history and not even just different religions, right? Does anyone have any idea how many um, Christian denominations there are in the United States? Yeah, there, there's over 500. There's probably more, right? But over 500 Christian denominations, right? I grew up, I grew up Presbyterian. There's 63 Presbyterians. They don't get along. Like, if you say, hey, I'm Presbyterian, you got to decide, am I this Presbyterian or this Presbyterian? Because they won't talk to each other, right? And it's silly because Jesus is saying, put the religious differences aside, he even makes it a point when, when she sort of brings up the religious thing. He says, listen, there's going to come a point in time when it's not going to be the Jews that are right or the Samaritans that are right because God is a spirit. We need to worship him in spirit and truth. And so when it comes to our religious differences, sometimes we, we get all caught up in the wrong things. There's a, a couple, Charles and Janet Morris, and they, they write a book called Missing Jesus. And uh, they were worship leaders in their church, and they talk about how their church had this great divide, so to speak. They had, a, um, the way they describe it, the, the way they describe it is they had a suit and tie service, and they had a shorts and t-shirt service. And it was basically like almost two churches within one, and they would fight, and they would argue over it, and as worship leaders, they were sort of caught in the middle, and they said they were getting so caught up in the type of expression of the way they worshiped in their religion, that they had completely forgotten about Jesus, the very purpose that they were gathered. And Jesus is saying, far better than any religion will satisfy you, I will satisfy you. I'm a living water. When, when you drink of me, when you pursue me, you'll never be thirsty. I'll fill you forever. Living water also fills us better than our status. This woman was desperate for status, right? She, she's engaged in a series of relationships. She's clinging to her Samaritan identity. She's desperate to be accepted. 
And I think it's easy for us to get caught up in, in sort of the lie of status sometimes too, right? We think, if I just get this promotion, everything's going to be better. If I, if I just uh, get this title, everything will be better. If I can just achieve this, everything in life is going to be better. And the reality is, Jesus is, is, is showing us that no, none of that is ever going to fulfill you. And again, I, I, hope, I hope no one misunderstands my intentions this morning. None of this stuff is bad, right? Achieving success in life is great. But we've, we've bought into the lie that that will satisfy. In fact, um, one of the most often misused and misquoted verses in the Bible is Jesus talking about this very thing. In John 10.10, 10, he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I come that you might have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. And people read that verse and they think, oh, God is going to bless us. He's going to bless us with, with finances. He's going to bless us with success. He's going to bless us with healthy relationships. And that's not what that verse is about at all. That verse is about what Jesus is saying right here to this Samaritan woman. That none of that stuff will fulfill you. But the abundant life you're searching for, the full life that you all want, it comes simply through Jesus, through following him fully, through, through chasing him, pursuing him with your life. He fills us in a way that we can never be filled with anything else. A friend of mine by the name of Laura Story uh, is a worship leader at a church I served in in Atlanta. And she writes a book called When God Doesn't Fix It. She has a really powerful story. Uh, her story is uh, basically she was achieving success. She just won a Dove Award. Everything was looking great in her life. And uh, her and her husband Martin were about to try to have children. And Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And in fact, uh, it looked like he was not going to live. Uh, it, it was such that he had to have like emergency surgery and they brought him in for this emergency surgery and actually his life was spared and he survived. But the way they had to cut into his brain to remove the tumor um, sort of left him in like a permanent state of being about a 12-year-old boy. And so she talks in her book about this story and, and how um, so many of her hopes and dreams and even her identity was caught up in being married to Martin, this man that he's still alive and they're still married, but he'll never be the same. And so much of her identity was, was caught up in one day being able to be a mom and, and there, was, there was a thought that maybe now this wouldn't be possible. And her identity was caught up in pursuing this career and dreams that she thought she could achieve. And yet now she had to kind of change what her priorities and values were. Because she had a husband that she's going to have to take care of for the rest of his life. And so she says this, and I think this is so good. Your identity is not your job. It's not in your success. It's not in your title. It's not in your marital status. It's not in the fact that you're a mom or a dad. Your identity is not even who you are. It's whose you are. You are God's child, desperately loved by him. I think that's so good. 
and so true. And that's, that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us in this passage of Scripture, that it's, it's not about anything that we can achieve or accomplish. It's about the living water that Jesus wants to give us. And it's so easy for us to get sidetracked and caught up in everything going on and forget to drink from the well that is Jesus Living water also fills us better than our stuff. So um, about four years ago, I realized um, I had too much stuff. So I had to build a shed, right? So I had to go on to Amazon and I bought this big shed. It took me like two days to build this shed. Probably not because it was that hard because I'm just really bad at building. But um, I built this shed. I was kind of proud of myself because I did do it. I didn't have to like call Steve Dingle to help me or anything. But um, I got the shed built, and, um, and I started putting stuff in it, and the shed is completely filled, right? Ask me how many times I've gone into the shed to see any of the stuff that I have to have in four years. Zero, he actually asked. All right, yeah. No, and, and that's, that's what we've gotten caught up in the lie, that stuff will satisfy, and and. and I say we, blaming myself, because like I'm the guy that if I'm up late at night and the infomercial comes on TV, I have to have that thing. I saw the knife, it can cut through a quarter, guys. I have to have that knife. No telling when I'm going to need to cut through a quarter. What if Joey Grucas needs to borrow half a quarter from me and I don't have the right knife? I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and we've gotten caught up in it just like, hey, my life will be better if I have this. Right? Or, or you know, Ryan Haynes has this boat company, and, and he's making me covet every time he makes an Instagram post, right? And he posts these beautiful boats, and I see it, and I'm like, if I had that boat, I would be so much better off. That's a complete lie, right? I mean, the best boat is your friend's boat. Everyone knows that. No one really wants to own a boat. You just want a nice boat you can use whenever you, whenever you can, right? Boats are money pits. But I see that, and all of a sudden I think, wow, if I just had this 35-foot Everglades that he posted on his Instagram, my life would be better. And, and we get caught up in this, this thinking, and it overwhelms us. And the reality is, stuff's not bad. Boats are not bad. If you want to give me a boat, I'll take it right? Boats are not bad things. Anything that we might like, they're not bad things. The problem is that we've replaced the best, which is Jesus, with things that we think will satisfy. They never do. We have more anxiety and depression in our country now than we ever have had in history, and yet we have more stuff we have more success. We have more wealth. I don't know your personal financial status, but I do know that you are wealthier than 99% of the world because you live in the United States, in South Florida. And so even if you're going paycheck to paycheck, you're wealthier than 99% of the world. We're so blessed, and yet, and yet we think, if I just had a little bit more, if I was just a little bit better off, if I just had a little bit better house... Everything would be okay. 
Jesus says that thirst will never go away. The only thing that will fill it is me. Which brings us to our final point. In order for us to be the church, our well has got to be filled with Jesus. It's like I said at the very beginning. I mean, the reality is the reason that we come together, the reason that we gather here, is so that we'll get filled with the love of Jesus, with the grace of Jesus, and then we can do what God has called us to do to share his love with the world. Love is why we're here. It's why we gather, we get filled with God's love, and then we send it into the world. We can't do that with any amount of stuff or any amount of titles. The only thing we can do that with is Jesus. And as we share him, we live out the calling that he's called each and every one of us to do. To be his hands and feet. To share the love of Christ with the world. Amen. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love this story. You share your word here, this, this story of Jesus. It's just one story. It's just a story of your interaction with this one Samaritan woman. And yet it's so powerful how you're willing to break down walls to reach people. How you point out that the only thing that will ever really satisfy is you. Father God, we didn't read it uh, this morning, but I love how the story finishes. As Jesus shares with this woman, as she understands about the living water, what does she do? She goes back to the village and she tells everyone she can and brings them back. Father God, may, may you do the very same in each and every one of our lives. May you fill us with your love. And we would go out into our villages, to our neighborhoods, to our families, and share your love with them. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.